today's gospel lesson is the very familiar story of Jesus coming to the disciples as he is walking on the water. This is the only story, Matthew is the only one who tells the story, where Peter comes to Jesus as well. Let us listen for God's word. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up the mountain to, by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. But by this time, the boat, battered by the waves, was far from land, and the wind was against them. And early in the morning, Jesus came, walking toward them on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified, saying, It is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them and said, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. Peter answered them, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. Jesus said, Come. So Peter got out of the boat, started walking on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he noticed the strong wind, he became frightened, and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and caught him, saying to him, You of little faith, why did you doubt? When they got into the boat, the wind ceased, and those in the boat worshipped Jesus, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. The word of the Lord. Let us pray. Holy and gracious God, we thank you for your story. We thank you that you come to us when we are afraid. We thank you that you reach out to us and that you call to us to have courage and that you embrace us that divine compassion. Give us the trust that we need so that we are not afraid. And may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. When we go to the cabin in Minnesota, one of the most awesome things is when a thunderstorm comes across the lake. And when the storm comes across the lake, you can often see the clouds gathering at a distance, and often the lake will be just as smooth as glass. And then when the lightning starts, it is reflected in the lake and the entire sky lights up, and it is truly awesome. A few years ago, we had one of these storms where the 
lake was not like glass. It was having white caps, and the wind was blowing, and the clouds gathered, and there was thunder. And my husband and I were trying to pack up our cabin because we had to leave the next morning. And so while everybody went to the basement of my parents' cabin, there we were over in cabin seven, the little plywood uh, structure, hurriedly getting our things packed while my brother called us on the cell phone every few minutes to tell us the progress of the storm. The tornado warnings were out. And at some point, my brother called and said, you better come now. I went to the cabin door and pushed on the screen, and I could not get it open. When I did force it open just that little bit, there were branches flying past. We had missed that opportunity. My brother called back and said, you know, you might want to think about getting in the shower. There was no bathtub in this cabin, so the shower was about the only thing. And my husband was like, oh, it's okay. And I was like, we've got to get into the shower. We've got to get into the shower. It was 80 a mile an hour winds that came straight through, took down six trees, and a branch fell on the cabin. It dented it. That was all. I would like to say that I had tremendous faith and was not afraid. But I was terrified. Jesus tells us we do not have to be afraid. And that it is our faith that will help us to not be afraid. And we hear that And it's wonderful. But sometimes it gets turned around where it says, if we only had more faith, we wouldn't be afraid. And if we are afraid, we must not have faith. I want to go back and I want to say that we know what fear is. We know very well what it's like to be afraid and to have that fight-or-flight response. And we have that because it's good. But it also can blind us to possibilities. It can paralyze us when we should be fighting or fleeing. And it can make us panic so that we do not know what to do. We know what fear is, but what about faith? Is faith believing that nothing bad will happen to us? Is it closer to trust, as Pastor Lynn explained to the children? Is it the willing suspension of belief in the laws of physics? And more importantly, what does the church say to people on the top of a mountain in Iraq where ISIS is trying to kill them? Do not be afraid. Or those in Gaza or Israel where the shelling continues, do not be afraid. Or that if they really believed in Jesus, they wouldn't be afraid. But what about Christians in Iraq and Syria? Or the Jews in France and Germany who are now under attack? 
with such anti-Semitic rhetoric that it reminds some people of very dark times? Or to the person receiving a difficult diagnosis or about to lose a job, do not be afraid? What is the faith that meets us in our fear? And maybe more importantly, how do we get it? Every week, I give you a picture on the front of the bulletin. And it's always art. And it's often art not from a Western tradition. And the reason for that is art in the Western tradition often tries to capture a story literally, where we believe or we see a kind of snapshot of Jesus walking on the water. I choose art not from the Western tradition often, because I want us to remember that the scripture lesson that we read is not a historical account of what happened with Jesus and the disciples. The art reminds us that we are in the realm of metaphor and symbolism and image, that we must go deeper than any literal meaning that there is more to the story, more to the image than we can grasp if we only think of it as history or as something that we can take a picture of. Stories, images, art is meant to take us deeper and deeper into the love of God. Our desire to rest in the divine presence and increase our capacity for the joy of the freedom of floating in God's grace. So let's take apart this story. Let's look not only for the images and our beautiful illumination from Armenia, but let's look more deeply at our story and the images of faith. If we go back a couple chapters, we'll remember that Jesus is trying to get away. He has been rejected in his hometown. They don't like his preaching. And they have made him leave. King Herod has executed John the Baptist, but now John, Herod, thinks that John has come to life again in Jesus. So Herod is now after Jesus to kill him because Herod thinks John is Je Jesus is John come back to life. Herod wants to kill him. So is Jesus leaving to be alone or to get away and save his life? And then he is surrounded by the crowds. The story Pastor Jane preached about last week where thousands of people come 
and want to be healed and fed and taught God's word. And the same day, the story tells us, when Jesus is being hunted by Herod, has been swarmed by thousands, at the end of the day, Jesus finally gets to be alone to talk with God. One of the meanings of faith is fidelity. And the scripture really goes into fidelity as that between a husband and a wife. That there is a faithfulness there that we are called to with God. And that whenever we are in a faithful relationship, one of the basic things is that we make time for each other and we talk. And if you've been married and have little kids, then you know that this is not easy. Am I right? My daughter would say, am I right? I know, right? Jesus, how does Jesus get the time there to be on the mountaintop alone? And mountaintop, mountaintop, image of mountaintop, where God and humans meet? Jesus gets that time by telling the disciples to do what? Go on ahead. Go. Get out of here. Leave me alone for ten minutes. How many mothers have locked themselves in the bathroom? Go away. Sometimes we have to take drastic measures get that little bit of time. But Jesus isn't just saying to the disciples, go and sail out in the middle of the Sea of Galilee for a little while. The kingdom of God is on the move. There are people on the other side of the sea where Herod doesn't have jurisdiction who need to hear the word of God and there are sick people there who need Jesus' healing. Go. There is that faith that is the sending. Go to the people who are in need. Go and help them and take compassion. That's your mission. And so part of faith is going. Now, image of water that very ambiguous image in in the scripture, the waters of chaos, that creation, that the Spirit of God calms so that there can be order. There is the Red Sea where God parts the waters so that the children of Israel can flee and the waters come crashing down and destroy the Egyptian army. There's the flood. Water in scripture is a very powerful, chaotic force. And this is just a tiny little aside. If we're looking at all of the wonderful metaphors in Scripture, what did Jesus just do before he got on the water? What did he do? He fed a lot of people, right? A lot of people. And then he walked on water. Who fed a lot of people in the wilderness? Did manna come down from heaven? And then the seas parted? Matthew loves to make 
Jesus, the new Moses. We're going to keep exploring these images of faith. So Jesus sends his disciples out to take the love of God off to these people in Gennesaret into the chaos, into trouble, into trouble. Because when we take the word of God out, we often get into trouble. Part of faith is getting into trouble. We get into the trouble of gun violence. We take on that trouble. We go to be with people who are in trouble, with disease or grief. We help people who are in trouble, who have just come out of prison or who are homeless or who are hungry. We get into trouble. And that's part of answering God's call, is to get into trouble. And so the disciples have indeed found themselves in trouble, in the chaos that is the sea, that is the metaphor for the chaos of our lives and the life of our world and what's happening in Iraq and what's happening in the Middle East and what's happening with the border children and what's happening in your life right now that is sending you into chaos. We meet in a boat. The church is designed as a ship. And this part of the church is the nave, the body of the boat where we gather. It's that image of the boat where we come every week to be together in the chaos. That is why we come to be in the boat, battered by the waves. We come in the storms, and Jesus meets us here. We come to be together. We come to be with people who recognize that life is chaotic. We come. Hoping that we're going to be embraced by that love of God in that net of God that is surrounding us in the cards and the prayers. Faith is waiting and wanting there to be something more to our existence than a fearful void and dispassionate nothingness. There is belief to faith. That belief that we are not here alone. That there is a higher power. That there is a more. That there is God. And that more, that God, is compassionate. That that God is the one who calms the chaos, not creates it. We get that belief when we experience it. It is that belief that there is more that gives us courage and makes hope possible. And Peter wants to be courageous. Peter wants to trust Jesus. And for a moment, he does, and he stays above the storm. Kierkegaard has defined faith as like floating in 70,000 fathoms of water. There is a buoyancy 
that helps us to stay above the anxiety in the calm. And we've seen leaders who can do this. We have seen leaders who have taken charge and been calm in the midst of tremendous panic. You know, you go back to 9-11 and Rudy Giuliani and how he stayed and floated above the panic. Resting in the one in whom we move and live and have our being. We know that when we're learning how to swim, it's when you panic and struggle that you become exhausted and start to drown. And how many of us do that? How many of us are treading water and just hoping not to go under? Also, one of the first things that we teach children when they're learning how to swim is how to float. In the dead man's float, on your back, with your head up, filling your lungs with air. Now there's an image of faith. Faith is calling out for help when that doesn't work. Even with a little faith, The whole boat sees what Peter has done and how Jesus has helped him, and they worship Jesus. Faith is recognizing the ways in which Jesus has helped the person in the pew next to us. Faith is seeing how somebody came through or how somebody visited a person and that The person making the visit didn't want to go on a visit. They weren't sure why they became a deacon. They weren't sure why they said yes to become a deacon. They thought they were only going to be making casseroles and putting them in a freezer, but there they are, going and knocking on somebody's door with flowers. And they did it. And it changed them. So faith. It is certainly not the absence of fear, nor is it thinking that nothing bad will ever happen to us. It is not a guarantee that we carry around in our pocket. It is more like a passport into trouble. It is not the willing suspension of disbelief in the laws of physics. It is not superstition nor the belief in something supernatural. Faith is a dance that pulls us into the grace of a divine love. It is the dance that pulls us into the embrace of the divine love. It is a push and a pull, a step this way, a step that way, learning to let God lead. It is being courageous and being terrified. It is seeing 
only death in the world, and it is being awestruck by beauty and wonder and courage and possibility. Every week, God gives us a love story. Every week, God gives us music. Every week, we get an image, even a postcard on the bulletin. This is our dance card. And the dance of faith. And we are in that dance. Even in our greatest fear. And we are held in divine love. Always. And forever. Amen.